and welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen and joining me recording live from <laughs> New York City is my wife, Sarah. Hello. My wife of now 10 years. Mm -hmm. The day after this podcast comes out on November 7th is our 10 year yeah. wedding anniversary. Yes. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Is our experience of being married for 10 years, our experience of being married at 18 and 19 years old mm -hmm. for a long time. Yeah. It's a unique experience, I think. Um, but before we jump into that, just want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Moment Lenses. Moment is a company that creates lenses for your cell phone to mm -hmm. allow you to take better photos, yeah. record more interesting and better video. They have fisheye lenses, wide lenses, telephoto lenses, and now an anamorphic lens for those um, wide angle uh, movies that you want to create using the your cinematic. phone. The cinematic. The Look. cinematic flares and super yeah. wide. And you can get these lenses for pretty much any phone that mm -hmm. you want. You just buy the appropriate case for your phone. So whether you have an iPhone 10. S, an iPhone 10 R, a Google Pixel 3, whatever it is, <laughs> they probably have a case for it. Yeah. Um, you So you buy the case, you buy a lens or three, and you go out and you go shoot. My personal favorite is the 18 millimeter wide lens. Yeah, it's a great lens. It just adds so, it just makes the photo so interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's not as crazy warpy as the fisheye, mm -hmm. but I actually do really like the fisheye for certain architectural photos. Like if you go into uh, the Guggenheim mm -hmm. or into the Oculus here in New York City, Something that's already Fulton kinda, Center, yeah. all of those have nice curves and they're very roundish type buildings. And so when you put a fisheye on, it doesn't look distorted, but you get to take a picture of the entire inside. Yeah. And so that I think is awesome. They're fun. Um, telephoto is amazing for portraits. It adds that extra compression, extra depth. Yeah. You know what else I like about them? As speaking as a person who's not a photographer, really, is that you can buy the lenses and take them with you on travel, and you don't f have to carry this like massive camera because it's just your phone, and the photos turn out better. You know what I mean? I do. That's what I like about them. Sweet. So, if you want to check out Moment Lenses, you can use this exclusive link so that we get affiliate credit yeah. um, by going to moment.deeplycurious.fm. Um, like I've said before, I know you know how to find things with the Googles and the interwebs, <laughs> but we'd appreciate it if you used our link because that actually gives us credit for you looking. Um, so that show. is moment.deeplycurious.fm. It's also linked in the show notes. Yeah. All right, 10 years of marriage. 10 years of marriage. Jumping in. So yeah. for those of you who don't know or aren't aware of our story, I guess we can kind of give you our love story <laughs> okay. uh, and then we can jump into you know just talk about it yeah so we grew up together mm -hmm. um in the same church we have basically been around each other or known of each other uh, essentially our whole lives yeah um but if you want to pinpoint it it would be grade school early grade school yeah um, something like we that. were in the same church programs together on stage and you know, singing. Yeah, which I actually didn't know until we found all of that old footage. Yeah. I, I don't, the thing, I think I remember you first is like when I was old enough to understand your parents own the water park. Hmm. And then 
obviously you were like around in church, but we weren't friends or anything. It was just like, oh, his parents own the water park. Yeah. I don't remember you when we were like small children. Yeah, the earliest memory I have of you is children's church mm-hmm. um, because your mom yeah my mom was the teacher the children's church and I the reason I remember it is because there was a time when your mom made me mad whenever I was like <laughs> in early grade school because I thought that she was treating you better than she was treating me oh and so I learned about nepotism oh I see in a well, I was children's church. If we want to talk about moms, I was always intimidated by your mom. <laughs> I mean, many people, most people are. <laughs> That's actually an even even that is an interesting dynamic of like dating and being married so young and like from the same town mm-hmm. and like how your families just know everything about everybody. It's, it's an interesting uh, dynamic. It's it's fine. Nobody's nobody hates anybody, but. It is interesting to be like, oh, yeah, I know everything about your family because, you know. And then we actually started being, I guess, more around each other. Yeah. Whenever like, it, whenever we got into junior high era and we started going into youth group because we were, I guess, put into more proximity because yeah. we entered into um, co-ed church. Yeah. Also, I think you were probably just around more. You. Yeah. Yeah. I was around more, but also before that, we were in Royal Rangers for me, which right. is like the Assemblies of God version of Boy Scouts. Yeah. Um, and I was then in Missionettes. Sarah was in the Missionettes. Um, <laughs> so it was segregated um, before junior yeah. high. But then once we got into junior high, we went into the co-ed youth group. Yeah. And so we were able to mix and mingle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't notice Sarah for a long time. Um, yeah. I mean, we were around. We went to the same like. I always like to joke and stuff. that he he thought I was ugly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he I, can't deny it. So you know. <laughs> well, the the thing is, I didn't think you were ugly, but my um, his perception of beauty was not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just whenever in my public school just. The, right, like, I mean, we're super, all raised to assume a certain standard of beauty. Yeah, I the, get it. The super fine. popular girls and stuff like that. That they were the ones who I was like crushing on or mm-hmm. whatever. And then I would go to church and like you just weren't on my radar, right? Um, so because I was not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I'm not hurt about it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, we're together. Yeah, so. I'm fine. It doesn't popular girls loss. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so whenever we were in junior high era, um, we started like, you know, being around each other more hanging out. And then, so specifically for me was March 16th, 2004. How do you know the date? We went to teen roundup camp. Yeah, I remember. And we also, were also these names. <laughs> yes, Team Roundup Camp was a. Everyone a, who's not involved in church things is just laughing yeah. at us. <laughs> it, it was a it was a camp in Oklahoma that they had a probably I don't know ten train cars. Yeah, that were just they, they had converted. like um they had a, basically eleven train car length of track 
and yeah. then 10 train cars on the track. Um, and then you would go out there as groups and they had converted all the train cars to like Bunk bunks and stuff like that. And so our youth group went out there and the girls had their own train cars and we had our own train cars as the boys. And I was hanging out with the boys, doing our things. This was around the time, this was in the height of my time of carrying around my mini DV camera tape mm -hmm. and camera and filming everything. And I, that's the reason I know the date is oh. because back then when you pressed record, it would pop the date up yeah. on uh, the camera. I wish they would bring that back. I love that. I mean, you can see it in the metadata now. Ugh, that's not the same. <laughs> it's not, it's not nostalgic enough, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> so we were at this teen roundup camp and I had not really ever considered Sarah as pretty. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd never considered her as a romantic, uh, you know, prospect. Anything. I was just a girl. <laughs> just a girl standing in front of a boy. Not asking, asking him. Asking him to love her. No, I wasn't. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I, I specifically remember this day. And I remember the specific moment mm -hmm. of walking around and then I was taping stuff and then I walked up on you playing tetherball mm. with some other girls. I was a good tetherball player. And I was saying. just filming you playing tetherball. And I don't know if I hit puberty in that moment or what <laughs> happened, but I just remember <laughs> just something clicked. And mm -hmm. I was like, Sarah be cute. <laughs> but the problem was uh -huh. that you were crushing on somebody else yeah um hanging out with somebody else yeah um and that night i remember this that all of the boys being boys, boys were laying in our bunks lights off and we just started talking about which girls we found the cutest um and everybody was kind of naming theirs and i said that i think I just, I think I just realized or something. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Sarah is really cute. Um, and I remember saying that in that moment. Um, and so that was the, the pinnacle shift for me. Which is funny because my brother was also in the group. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, your brother had to go along for the ride he with did. all of it. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> he was like my best friend for, Many, yeah. many, many years, the whole time that I'm like pursuing you and everything yeah, you else. You guys were in a band together. Yeah. My brother's only a year and a half older than me. So, like, yeah. all of our friends were the same friends, and, which makes him only six months older than me. Yeah. Um, and so we were close. Yeah. And then now I'm like crushing on his sister. Yeah. And having to deal with weird family dynamics. I'm telling you that stuff. So, um, but in 2004, I realized. Mm -hmm. that you were cute mm -hmm. and then then but i never pursued you i didn't pursue right. you romantically at that we moment. were just friends for a long time yeah. well a long time maybe like a year or yeah we, something. Be we became friends then um and then by december of that year we were really good friends mm -hmm. um and we were my cousin and sarah and i were like a little like trio of like best friends who hung mm -hmm. out all the time. Yeah. Um, and then as, as that went by. Um, you know, you go, you get into your little junior high fights. Yeah. And whatnot. But we got over that. Yeah. And then we started dating 
that that next year, right? Well, funny one funny story in between that time uh-huh. is why we were kind of like friends and stuff like that. That boy that Sarah was kind of crushing on, they had yeah, started like, um, they weren't, uh, we were so young. So it was like, they were essentially a, a thing. We were a thing, but we couldn't date. So we weren't really a thing. Yes. It was this weird. But I was also really good friends with him. Yeah. And I guess, be- I don't know why I was so bold in this, but I. Because you are you. Yeah. <laughs> we were just hanging out by ourselves and I was like, he is, you know, kind of having this thing that, I mean, this is a terrible friend move, but yeah. uh, it worked out for me. <laughs> he, you know, they had this thing and I told him, I was like, you know, I'm really crushing on Sarah um, or something to that effect. And he, his response was, go for it. What? A- <laughs> and so I did. And yeah. um, I won. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine now because we're both happily married people. Yeah, we all got over it. Yeah, we're friends with them still. Yeah, <laughs> oh, took, it took me a lot, a lot of years to uh, get back to that point, but it's fine. Yeah, so you that know, was around that. You same... do stupid things when you're 14. It's just how yeah. it is. <laughs> that was around that same 2004, 2005 era. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was probably still 2004 um and we our youth group we had these prayer services on mondays and i was in one of those prayer services and i was laying on the floor and i felt like god told me that i was going to marry sarah mm-hmm. and i told my youth pastor that um because he like you know kind of comes and you know checks on each yeah, of us like ask talk us to you yeah, if, yeah um you know what we're praying about or whatever and um he came and like sat next to me and checking up on me and i was like i feel like god told me that i'm gonna marry sarah and his response <laughs> can you imagine being a youth pastor <laughs> yeah. and a kid who's 15 tells you that it's probably 14. um that's so funny <laughs> yeah 14 years old like i tell okay you know he <laughs> and then i'm gonna marry her and his response is well you should probably start dating her first yeah um <laughs> and so went from that moment mm-hmm. on to uh dating yeah Um, we dated for like three years i feel like we should skip ahead a little yeah dating was dating you know it was what it was and then we got married i was 18 and you were 19. i graduated high school in may so we actually we got engaged before i graduated we got engaged in february of my senior year of high school i graduated in may and then we got married that next november so it was like really young and crazy and I can't believe it happened. The thing that like surprises me the most is that nobody, not only did they like not try to stop us, but there wasn't even a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like looking back that, I mean, I know that kids are going to do what they want to do and like you can't really change anybody's mind. Yeah. But like there wasn't an even a conversation of like, are you sure you want to get married yet? Like, why don't you just, you know, there there was no conversations from your parents, my parents, anybody who was like close to us who could speak into it, you know, that shocks me. Yeah, I mean, people get married young in Oklahoma, but married young but 18, as in like 20. Yeah, 18 is still like pretty young. Yeah, 20 to like 23 is like a normal age to get married yeah. um, in Oklahoma, but we were... I mean, engaged when you were a senior in high school. Yeah, like that's you, wild. Your entire second uh, semester. Yes. 
were it wasn't you were engaged yeah as you were going to see i was engaged classes. before i turned 18 yeah yeah and i mean literally nobody ever tried to stop i mean i think i think part of that is because we were we were together for so long not only because of the dating for three years but also because we were best friends inseparable before that right and so we had been together as one for i mean a long long time. time and so whenever it was a surprise to nobody right and I think everybody knew, including our parents, including our, you know, spiritual mentors and stuff like that. There was no stopping us. Yeah. I think. And so it was like, I support us yeah. so they can remain in our lives. Because if you tried to stop us, we would probably be like, I would nah. have done it anyway. Yeah. I think when I was 18, I thought, and I, I still think I was maybe like more mature for my age. Like I was always pretty responsible. Um, but I thought I was just like so mature oh, and yeah. so ready for anything and whatever and like now i look back at age 18 getting married and i'm like i can't believe i survived any of that <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah it's just absolutely insane that you can be 18 and get married and like remain married <laughs> yeah you know what i mean it is definitely a testimony um, or praise report, <laughs> I mean, you know, how, how, how we say, um, that yeah. we are like still together. Yeah. Because like, not only do you know nothing at age 18, but you have like your whole, I actually said this to a friend recently and I was joking a little bit, but I actually like, I, there's truth to it. We were talking about, you know, she was like, oh my gosh, you're coming up on 10 years, blah, blah, blah. So we were talking about that. And I said, I just didn't like that number is like insane. Like I can't really grasp that I've been married for 10 years. And I said, I said like something about like, I didn't think I would live this long. And like, I was joking, you know, but it's true. Like when you're 18 and you say like, oh yeah, I'll be married to you forever. Mm -hmm. You can't actually grasp what forever means. Like, even if you think you can, like you can't look at I thought 20 years old was old mm-hmm. at 18, you know, let alone like 28, 30, 35. Like I had no, no idea what future meant, yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, it's, it's wild that, cause you have to grow up and you have to like become a person, but also marriage is all about like being selfless. Right. And like, putting another person above yourself. So like learning how all of those dynamics while becoming your own person is chaotic and crazy. I mean, we aren't even 30 yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I still, I'll be 30 this next March. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah still has a full year and a few months. Yeah, add um, in those a few months, yeah. please. I have more than a year. Yes, Thank you. <laughs> before she's 30. And we've been married for 10 years. Um, and like Sarah was saying, the age from 18 to 25 mm-hmm. is whenever you truly become like who you, who are. you are. Yeah. Before that, you're obviously, you're becoming who mm-hmm. you are. But I mean, scientifically, you know, it's like your frontal lobe isn't even developed until you're 25 as a girl and 26 as a guy, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you 
you can't even make rational decisions like fully. I mean, right. You know, to, uh, to a certain degree, to a certain degree. And it's like, if you told me that whenever I was 23, um, you know, whatever about how like my brain's yeah. not fully developed. You would have and laughed I don't actually, in their like, face. Literally would have laughed in their face and, you know, scoffed yeah. at, at the idea that I don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then legitimately hit 25. And I don't know how long it, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere after 25, I remember like having the epiphany essentially. Right. Like I had the moment of, oh, like. I don't know anything. Yes, I yeah. I cannot believe the way that I used to think that mm-hmm. I actually knew everything and how much I actually don't know. Yeah, I mean, same for me. Like, I was probably 25, I don't know, somewhere around there. Like, you, you literally just like wake up one morning and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I even done before now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's literally like a flip of a switch. And, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, yeah. cool. Like, <laughs> I had no idea that I couldn't make decisions before now, but mm-hmm. I couldn't make decisions. Yeah. And to like put that into perspective of like, we got married when we were 18, you know, and survived 18 to 25, 26 is like absolutely insane. And it's it's also interesting because, well, like you talk about this all the time, about how you think that we're like very- A match made in heaven. Yeah. Like you think that there's not another human being on earth who's like as compatible as I am with you. I don't. Which is hilarious because I don't think that. (laughs) But not in a bad way, but. No, in like a romantic way. (laughs) No, I just mean like. In a like, yeah, I could be with anybody kind of way. No, I just think it's kind of insane to to say there's only one person who you're so compatible with. Like I, I, that's hard for me to believe. Okay, so we we had this conversation uh, like two or three podcasts about uh, ago, mm-hmm. you know, about uh, is there only the one? Right. And obviously, I don't believe that there's only one person that I could be with. Right. Like, I believe there's you know thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people that I would be compatible with and right. live a long and happy you know marital life. Uh-huh. But my point. <laughs> And I don't, I, I, it baffles me. Like, I don't even understand how you could disagree. Um, that there is nobody now mm-hmm. in my life that I could be as close to or like as compatible with in the fact that we have such a deep and long history mm-hmm. to the point where we grew up in the same church together. Mm-hmm. We became friends whenever we were, you know, 13 14 years old yeah we know everything about each other Mm -hmm. we grew up together in the same environments around the same influences around the same things right then we dated through high school again with the same reasonings and then we got married at 18 and 19 and we went through the most um you know changes tumultuous times you know in like tumultuous time in your own life trying to figure out who you are right and early married so trying to figure out who we are figuring that out together actually growing together to the point where we are I understand. now <laughs> and i mean how could if if literally we walked out of here mm-hmm. and one of us got hit by a bus and mm-hmm. we had to you know find somebody else there is not one other person in this world 
that could have that deep and rich of a history to be as compatible as we are in a romantic relationship. I'm not saying that either one of us could find somebody to have a long and happy life with. I'm saying that the we all any any other person would be coming into the relationship with their own history, baggage, yeah. experiences. I know. <laughs> I think it's still a bit much to say. <laughs> I do. No. I'm, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something in me that like I just can't believe that. I just I can't. <laughs> you can't limit yourself to only having me. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're uh what is that, a polygamist? No. Wait. Maybe. I'm not that though. Were you married to multiple people? <laughs> I'm not married to multiple people. Yet. Nor do I want to be. <laughs> I can barely keep up one marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we you should can barely, You can barely keep up with yourself. Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's talk about like how difficult it is to be married. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about how difficult it is to be married for you. Okay. <laughs> That's fine, whatever. So in our early, we've, we've, had, we've talked about this before, but it, it is interesting mm -hmm. how for the first like three years of our marriage my um one underdeveloped male brain mm -hmm. um and because of my personality i thought we were awesome like right. i thought our marriage was fine we were set we also as a married couple did not know how to communicate our feelings to one another right um also we didn't really i didn't grow up in a strong household of communication. So I liked in it. You yeah. Know, I wasn't taught that necessarily. And yeah. so in we didn't communicate like right. fully to one another of what we were thinking, feeling, wanting to do. Right. You know, when we were compromising type thing. You right. know, we we just assumed because the other person was going along for the ride mm -hmm. that that meant that they wanted to do it not that they right. were compromising Whereas and so like, because we, i didn't want to upset anything and i didn't know how to like say that out loud i did just like go along with it right even if it was like crushing me on the inside <laughs> yeah and same i mean not the same as that extreme for me but there were a lot right. of things that i didn't necessarily want to do right but i just did it because i wanted you to you know have the things that you wanted to do um in this isn't to say that you shouldn't do the things the other person want to do, but I feel like right. we, just didn't, we just didn't know how to communicate that so that the other person understands, like, I'm doing this for you. Because then um, if that's never talked about, right. the, what, it's, what it was doing in me, and then we can get into what mm -hmm. was happening with you, but like what it was doing in me is I was just like kind of building up, not that you keep record, but it was like I'm. I felt like I was compromising constantly mm -hmm. but never being compromised with because i didn't know mm -hmm. and the same thing for you it's like you didn't know that i was compromising right, right? because you felt that i was happy with doing what, what we were doing because i right. never voiced you know that that i would have rather done something else right same for you also, you weren't voicing that you would rather do something else so i was like why are we always doing what you want to do um whenever i didn't realize that we weren't always doing what right. you want to do because you felt almost the exact opposite. Right. And so in that time, one, I think that is, you know, I th that is an issue all in itself. Right. But then the other thing is that because I was young and uh, I don't know, like just blind, stubborn, um, and yeah. didn't know, I didn't recognize the signs of that Sarah was not feeling 100 
<laughs> and so I just kept yeah. going about my life, never changing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think the thing, I think the major thing was that, um, how you grew up in your family was very blunt and honest. And like, there was no, um, regard for feelings, I guess, like not in a bad way, but like you guys just don't beat around the bush. Yeah. You get, yeah. You just don't have that. And I'm like a pretty sensitive person. Not like, like you can tell me things like if I'm doing something wrong or whatever, you can tell me things, but like I am sensitive. Like I, I do like kind of take criticism pretty hard. And so, cause mostly because like I have really high standards of myself. And so when I feel like I'm not, you know, like meeting those standards, like I'm pretty hard on myself. So you not having any regard for feelings and then, you know, like the thing, I think the major thing that I can think of right now is like, you always used to make jokes because that's just what you do. You make jokes, but they were always like about me or at my expense in public. Mm -hmm. And like, you literally meant nothing by it because you just saw an opportunity for a joke, but it like killed me inside because like I felt, I don't know, like I, I felt like that was like a, a diss, you know, mm -hmm. like like you were subtly saying, you know, whatever, anyway. And, and you probably weren't wrong. I mean, I would say you weren't wrong. Like yeah. even though I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, you know, disrespect you or right. not honor you, but I was like, regardless of my, regardless of the intention, right? The perception is the reality there, right? But like, I didn't know how to uh, like say any of that, or I didn't even right. really know what it was, you know, because like, I didn't know, like, I had never been exposed to like a har harsh, I don't, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like just yeah. such a blunt and honest environment. And so like, it was hard for me to decipher. And so I didn't say anything ever. Like I didn't say anything in front of people. I didn't say anything like when we got in the car and I was like, hey, I really didn't like that you did that. Like nothing, right. I just, you know, never said anything. So there was like all of this stuff that built up that like my own, standards and perceptions and then like jokes that you would make or like offhanded comments that you thought nothing about that like stuck with me. And then um, on top of all of that, the expectation of being a wife was like the big thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, like I didn't realize when I got married that I was expected to be a wife, which I know sounds crazy, <laughs> but like. Well, what that you were expected to be the Midwest cultural definition right. of yeah, life. Yeah, I mean like yeah. cook, clean, do the dishes, yeah. do the laundry, take care of you kind of wife. Right, white picket fence type of wife. Yeah, yeah, and like that's not who I am in the slightest. Yeah. And like. And it wasn't, I'm not saying that I didn't expect those things because there definitely was expectations that I had in that. Because right. I mean that. I mean, you're, it's not like that's our families. Right. Yeah. Both of our mothers were, you know, mostly the caretaker, the caretaker, the mostly that role, even, you know, they both were working women yeah. as well, but they would be the one to make all the meals and yes. do most of the cleaning and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think we both entered into the relationship expecting that to be the role, mm -hmm. even though that is far from, you know, 
who you naturally or even want to be. Yeah, yeah. And like, it was, it was I remember there was this one time I was like really struggling with that. Cause I had, and it wasn't just like these like unspoken expectations. People like told me <laughs> things, you know, like, oh, you have to do that just because like, and I don't really accept that. Like, like just because why? Like I mm. question everything. And so I was like going through this weird whatever. And I remember one of my friends posted something on Facebook about cleaning the house, blah, blah, blah. And I like, she's so good at it. And I said like, how do you make yourself like keep up with this? You know, like I don't, I can't keep up. How do you make yourself do it? And she was like, well, I do it because I know that my husband likes it. And I, <laughs> I got so irritated and there's nothing wrong with that. I want to clarify, there is nothing wrong if that's how you feel like, you know, who you are and how you want to love your husband, that's great. I literally like, I think I had a panic attack right then and there. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up with the house. I don't love my husband enough. Why does that even mean that I love my husband? Like it was like so many emotions. It sounds so stupid now, but like when you're 20 years old and trying to like, again, you're going through who am I? Who am I as I'm like, married to another person and like what is my role in life and you have all these people telling you these things that feel so opposite of who you are i like i couldn't reconcile that and like there was a time i it was probably like two for two or three years that i dealt with this like everybody introduced me as cody's wife it was like oh this is cody's wife never this is sarah <laughs> You know, it was always, oh, this is Cody's wife, Cody's wife. And like, I kind of lost my identity in that because like nobody identified me as like my own person. And that really bothered me. And like, so all of that together really just like collided. And I didn't know how to be happily married, I guess. Like, it was just like impossible to figure out. So like, I'm shocked that we made it through that. In response to, I guess, some of that, like in my perspective, mm -hmm. um, was, you know, with specifically the, you know, say, like things that were harsh to you and things right. like that. It's like I, in my upbringing, I was very much used to active and immediate feedback. Right. And so whenever that wasn't, you know, whenever I wasn't receiving that. Right. That made, well, it didn't make me assume anything. It like, I'd never even thought about it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I thought, oh, she's okay with that. It was just it nothing, just, nothing. Like I'm doing this thing. I'm not receiving any, you know, feedback to the contrary. So I continue to do said thing because people laugh, mm -hmm. you know, or just whatever. It just like, right. it, it, that would, with literally everything. It wasn't even just like making comments in public or anything. I mean, it was even when right. we were at home because there were, I am a challenger naturally. Like that is mm -hmm. literally the uh, title of mm -hmm. my Enneagram personality. Right. Is the challenger. Yes. And, and it so, is 1000% true. <laughs> and so with within that, um, I was constantly pushing Sarah mm -hmm. to be who she wanted to be, to be like, you know, follow her dreams, go out there, do it and all right. this type of stuff. I didn't know one that she didn't um, 
receive that well just in, right. in general yeah um and then also like if somebody's pushing me to do something i do the opposite even if it's something that i want to do because i refuse to be like pushed into anything like i'm going to make the decision i want to feel like i'm making the decision for myself so like having somebody push me into something is like not a thing <laughs> yes sarah the uh the I'm, core of Sarah's personality is spite. No, not the core. I am spiteful. Yes. <laughs> Strongly spiteful. I love I love a good spite. <laughs> yes. Um and because of that, that that was like a compounding problem. Yes. Because it was me wanting the best for you and wanting you to be the best version of Sarah you could possibly be and so I was constantly challenging you and pushing you. Right. And I made the very bad mistake of my um i don't know i guess the way i would naturally think to encourage mm -hmm. was not reverse psychology but an example of you know like kind of like oh you won't do that oh you would do that to me all the time yeah and again it didn't work for me because mm -hmm. i knew you won't you won't, yeah. you know, it's that, like that. And you're thing. like, yeah, you're right. I won't because yeah. you want me to. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it wasn't like a, uh, you know, uh, childhood um, playground, like right. fight type, you know, you won't. But that was essentially the, the, the like the attitude behind mm -hmm. it, like the, the core of yeah. it. And so because there wasn't active and open feedback to me, mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that that problem was compounding mm -hmm. with me pushing um and, and you know what i would have like what i do call encouraging <laughs> yeah but sarah just you know call call something completely different what know? i do calling yes i i was encouraging sarah and mm -hmm. i was you know challenging her and pushing her to like you know be the you know follow her dreams go out there yeah. do it make it happen yeah um but that was actually doing the opposite yeah. for her spirit yes um and I didn't know that. And because there wasn't, she wasn't taught in her um, upbringing right. to actually voice um, what you're feeling. Right. And so that just compounded over and over and over and over for years. Years. It's such an interesting dynamic, I think, that we have because, like, we are very similar in a lot of ways, right? We're like crazy similar. But there are, I don't know, maybe two or three things that we are polar opposites mm -hmm. on. And it's like. It's it's like this. We we like so, a lot of the same things. Like we enjoy and, and um, you know, same movies, same type of art, mm -hmm. same type of music, like yeah. all that type of stuff. It's we typically are the same person in our preferences. Yes. But the reason we prefer that thing are completely different. Yes, like we come at everything from opposite angles, mm -hmm. but we usually end up at the same result. Right. And it's like, it's it's a weird, it's a cool dynamic, but it's weird um, because like you, and, and it's weird because I think we're both really stubborn. Like I'm very much like a sensitive feeler, you know, moody, melancholy type of person. And you're like the most logical person I've ever met on planet earth. And so like, there's like none of that for you. But that's like how I, I operate out of that kind of stuff and you operate out of logic. But we end up at the same 
results. And so like, it's really strange because we'll have this conversation and I can completely disagree with your entire process, but agree with the result. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting, I don't know, it's really weird. And so like figuring that out was like, it was strange because I knew that we like had a lot of the same like beliefs and desires and whatever, but like, I felt like on a day-to-day -day level, we couldn't be more different, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was really weird. And like, for example, I think this is actually a good example. Maybe I was like maybe 23 or 24 and like I have wanted to move out of Oklahoma my entire life. Like that was the thing. I was like, I am never gonna be the one who stays here forever. Like I'm going to get out. And um. And she, she, I knew that. Yes. From when we going were going into, I was like, never shy about that. Yeah. That when was we were like, dating 15, 16, like she yeah. definitely. One of my that. biggest fears was like staying in Oklahoma my whole life and yeah. like never being able to go somewhere else. Yeah. And New York City was always at the top of the list. Yeah. And so um, it was maybe like 23, 24. We had been in Tulsa for like three years and, um, for maybe four or five years. Anyway, we'd been in Tulsa for a while and I was like getting restless again because that's what I do. <laughs> like, um, I just really felt like I wanted to move. I was like, you know what? I said I wasn't gonna be stuck in Oklahoma my whole life. I'm 23, 24, why am I not gone yet? Like, I felt like I was falling behind kind of thing. And so I like got pretty like all in about going somewhere. <laughs> Like, I didn't even really know where or I didn't even care really as long as it wasn't in Oklahoma. And um, you kind of sprung on me that you never wanted to leave Oklahoma because you think it'd be better if we lived in Tulsa our whole life and just traveled. And I understand, again, looking back, I see the logic of it. Um, because you were, uh, you were getting at the same thing that I was like, I don't want to be stuck in Oklahoma, but your logic was let's live where it's really cheap so we can afford to travel all the time. And, um, my logic was completely different than that. <laughs> your logic was I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I had legitimately like panic attacks about that. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in like, cause also with you, I love you, but there's like no changing your mind. You know, like if you decide something, you decide it and that's it. And there's no, or at least back then, like there was no communication about it. There was no discussion. It was, this is what's best and this is what I'm gonna do. And I thought- Unless you could give me a better Right, but reason. how can you argue the logic of like, oh, well, New York is the most expensive city to live. Let's go there. Exactly, because none of <laughs> right. my decisions were ever made by feeling or emotion. It was all logic. It was all logic. So yes. you had to lay out, like if you wanted to change my mind, right. you'd have to lay out a more logical plan. Right. And if it was more logical, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, you make we were getting- zero decisions yes. that way. Yes. All your decisions are based on your feelings. How I feel, yes. yeah. And so like, we were getting to the same conclusion of like, I don't wanna be stuck in Oklahoma, but we were going about it completely different ways. And I felt stuck. I felt like, what have I done? I thought, 
I'm married to this guy who doesn't want to leave Oklahoma. And like, how did that even happen? And I thought, I'm never going to leave Oklahoma. My whole life is ruined. <laughs> you know, like It was like a major thing. Um, and obviously, eventually we worked through it. But like, that's just like a really good example, I think, of like, we wanted the same result of like not being stuck in Oklahoma, but we were going about it completely opposite ways. Yeah. And I think like that's just like a really weird thing to navigate, I guess. Yeah. I mean, because the thing for me in that season was that, and I would assume that you would agree with this now, mm-hmm. is that you were basing all of that on emotion, like, and, yeah. and feeling in, in that you were, you felt that you needed to get out for yes. you to be who you wanted to be. Yes. And my whole thing through that was you need to figure out who you are now before right. you, before you leave. Because if you, if we, if we leave right now, we move to New York City, you're still not going to find yourself because right. the place has nothing to do with the way you are feeling. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you, you don't like to admit it, but no, you even have said the exact same thing no, since we have moved. Let me, let me clarify myself here. I do agree that to a certain extent, that's why I wanted to go. I felt, um, I was running away instead of running to. And so, and I think there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, I think you can run to a place. And it means just as much as anything else. And that's, it's kind of an argument I have for a lot of people because they say like, oh, I contradict myself a lot, whatever. Anyway, they say like, you know, a place isn't going to make you, you know, whatever. But I think, and I truly believe this, I think a place can be just as much of a dream or a calling or a passion or a pursuit as a job can. Um, I really believe that. I think that certain people belong in certain places and I am much more comfortable as myself here than I was in Oklahoma. Now, are there certain things about Oklahoma I really love and appreciate? Yes, but I am much more myself here on a coast. Um, So I agree uh, to a certain extent. Okay, well. But I think people don't give places as much credit as they deserve. (laughs) You are saying exactly what I'm saying in 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 a I, well i would say in a better way mm-hmm. um that in that moment of after we were in tulsa for four or five years yeah you were running away from tulsa i was you weren't running to new york you didn't really care where it was you were just running away yes because i, I was feeling incredibly restless and i still deal with this it's not something that i've i mean i know it about myself but it's not something that i've figured out like i mean even after we we've been here for a year and like there are some seasons, there are some weeks, months that I'm like, oh my gosh, I need something new. New York is, you know, but it's just because I am a restless person. I feel more inspired when I'm on the move. So it has nothing to do with anything except for me. But now, yes, whenever we moved to New York, when we actually moved to New York, mm-hmm. you weren't running away. Right. You were you were running to, like you said, you were running to New York. Like you actually were very sad about leaving, even even though you knew that you it was right. You was right. I that's what I was gonna say. I now, of course, looking back, I'm so grateful 
that we did not leave um, because it was not even a year later, maybe like six months later that I met all of my people, mm-hmm. like my best friends who've been my best friends, who will be my best friends, even though they live across the world now. Like I have never been more like understood by people than those people that I met in that six months um, following like my whole crazy panic attacks, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm grateful that we stayed another three or four years um, to like solidify those friendships. Um, And I I did run to New York, I did not run away. Um, And that is the way you should leave anything I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like people this is not marriage advice this is just regular life yeah. advice. You need to really learn and like be self-aware of how you leave things and places and people and no matter the circumstances you should leave them well. Like even if you were burned, even if you were treated poorly in a job or whatever, leave with respect because that will follow you. Yep. Just some life advice. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it is way more important how you finish than how you start. Yeah. Because you will, you, that's how you will be remembered. The legacy you leave is how so you finish. So important. Yes. Um, and that's in yeah. in everything, not just in the way you finish life. Right. Th- that's a huge thing. Like, how are you finishing out your life? But also, like, this is something that was taught to me a long time ago that has stuck with me that your character Mm -hmm. is only as strong as your last day. Yeah. And you know, on the last day of the job on the last day, you know, where, whatever it is, like your character is only as strong as that last day. Mm -hmm. That's whenever you prove who you really are. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, just a little life advice thrown in there. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was definitely like a weird, time i think tulsa taught us a lot i think about being married and like obviously just like growing up and learning who we are um but it was it was a struggle a real struggle for the first well the first year actually of our marriage was fine Mm -hmm. but it was years like two through five or something like that that i felt like i was drowning the whole time yeah, I mean, I felt fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's, again, we come at everything so different, but we end up in the same place. And so it's it's just a really weird dynamic. Um, but I think it works really well once you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and I would say that the reason the first year mm-hmm. was fine, because people always talk about how the first year of marriage is so hard. Right. The first year of marriage was actually really easy for us because we already knew each other so well because we had been best friends. We had been so close in, yeah. in our dating relationship. It was relationship just an extension of that. And, and all that. You know, we were, when we got married, obviously we were now living with each other after we get, got married and we were um, having all of these like, Paying bills, working right. real life jobs, you all know, that All stuff. the responsibilities of that that come with it. Um, but it really wasn't that hard. And the reason right. I think that the second year was actually harder than the first year is because all of the miscommunications mm-hmm. from the first year were compounding the whole time. But the honeymoon phase essentially was masking mm-hmm. those uh, complexities. Yeah, because until the second year, right? And all of those things, all those miscommunications had compounded and compounded and compounded and compounded until it was like you couldn't hold anymore and we, we weren't we weren't talking about it and the newness 
right wears off right and so now it's like we need to deal with this but we didn't know how yeah and i think on a certain level i thought my life was going to look completely different than it did or that it does and i think that's where like not being able to um really grasp the future when you're 18 comes in because i thought like everything was going to be great and perfect and like we were just gonna you know get married and like hang out like we always do and like go on all these adventures and be cool you know like Mm -hmm. i thought it'd be fine because our dating life was so easy like i mean you're in high school you're just having fun you know and we didn't really fight Mm -hmm. ever i don't remember a fight in when we were dating and so it was like like I couldn't grasp the future and I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. Right. But then like, you know, you get older and you're like, Oh, what life is actually like is a lot of paying bills and a lot of work and a lot of mundane and a lot of things that I was not interested in. And like, not even as a married couple, just as an individual, I could, there's nothing I hate more (laughs) than ordinary mundane things. And like, like I want my life to be exciting and like full of emotion and paying bills isn't that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like I I think I thought my life would look completely different. And I sort of when I'm when I was 22 or whatever, I sort of thought that was because like of us being married. I didn't think like, oh, this is just life. Everybody has to do this. I thought it's because I got married young. And I thought I have to be an adult because I got married. I shouldn't have gotten married because I don't want to be an adult, you know? And like, that's not actually what marriage is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Marriage is like, you know, just having a life partner. It's not about like doing adult things necessarily or about doing all the fun, exciting things. It's about having somebody to do it with. And so all the things that were crushing you would have been there even if Regardless. I wasn't. Yeah. Yes, but I didn't know that at 22, you know, I thought- I mean, I wasn't helping the situation. Right, but. yeah. And I know there are definitely things that I, I am a mess all the time. Like you said, I can't take care of myself, let alone a marriage, like it's difficult for me. But like, yeah, there was just this thing in my head that I was like, oh my gosh, my whole life is over and I have to be an adult because I got married. And so I resented you for a long time. And again, I didn't know how to communicate those things. And so I didn't. And then you, like with your comments or whatever, it was just such a crazy situation. Like learning that was probably the most important thing for me. Like just on a personal level and being married is that like just because you're married doesn't mean you have to be an adult and like do all of the responsible adult things but they are responsible adult things and you have to do them in order to (laughs) have the fun. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, that was like one of the major things that I had to learn. And I know it sounds so crazy and so like you should have known that, but something about my personality, I just could not care less about the mundane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that like for me, what I had to learn and more so like Sarah had to go through a journey of learning things personally. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't about, I mean, we Cause both- Cause I didn't know who I was. Right. I still don't really know who I am, so. We both had to learn things like 
how you know to be married like how to be right. a good wife how to be a good husband that type of thing we both had to do those but a lot of sarah's like biggest things yes. had to do with learning how to be sarah yes and for me i would say i've always very confidently been cody mm -hmm. um from a very young age yeah um and that was one this is kind of a side note but that was one thing that you even resented yes for a long time yes is how you would you would say to me in our first few years of marriage all the time of like well you don't know what it's like to not know what you want to do with your life yeah like you don't well, know because you've known since you were 12 since you took that video class in junior high that you wanted to do this and like i was then 18 19 20 21 and still didn't know who i was and i felt like i it, it felt like I was never going to know who I was because I had to be your wife. There was like, I felt like I didn't have that space, mm -hmm. you know, to like figure myself out because I went straight from my parents' house to our house and like, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I felt like I didn't have that space to figure it out and then you not even being able to understand or really like sympathize with what mm -hmm. that feels like, it made me resent. Yeah, because you would you would tell me these things like you would uh, be voicing grievances yeah. about you know trying to find this stuff, and, and your answer was always just do it. Yeah, and I'm just like just do it, like try something, do anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And you and your response was always like, well, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what it's like. Like you've known what you want to do forever, yeah. and that like built up resentment of of because I already knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Anyways, what I was getting at though is what I had to learn. Um, a lot of is how to treat Sarah as my number one customer. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something I still, I mean, it's still very hard yeah. um, because whenever you are in a married relationship, you are also, um, your guard is completely down mm -hmm. um, whenever you're with that person. And so you tend to you not talk to them to not treat them the same way you would your number one customer right. um, or you your, get the best and the worst right yeah and so it's like whenever i'm you know helping sarah with um you know her the, her dreams her goals her aspirations that type of thing it's like i'm i had and i still struggle with this but mm -hmm. it's like i my since my guard is completely down i speak even harsher right you're or, very like short in, in harsh maybe it's make it sound it's too different. much yeah. yeah it's it's more so just like to, to it's it's short and expecting more yeah. from sarah yeah and expecting her to be um like, knowledgeable in everything right. that i'm knowledgeable in and that because i it's almost like you should be smarter than that yeah. type of mentality versus if it was literally anybody else, including like a best friend, you know, yeah. number one customer, that type of situation, and they, and I am teaching them or helping them or encouraging them, things like that, I'm gonna come into those situations with a little more of rounded edges mm -hmm. and help them and talk them through it and, you know, all that type of stuff. But then whenever I was doing that with Sarah, those rounded edges became cliffs yeah and for so, a long time i refused to let cody teach me anything because he, he all, i i would always say you act like i'm stupid but i'm not i just don't know photoshop like mm -hmm. and and it was always like that's mostly what it is it's like you teaching me like premiere or photoshop or something like that i don't know the shortcuts i don't know the symbols i don't i don't know that stuff and so you would say like 
I don't even have any clip the or hit the crop tool or something. I'm like, well, what's the crop tool? What, what does that look like? I don't know. And you would just literally stare at me. You'd be like, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like staring and being like, are you kidding? Or it's the crop tool you yeah. know, versus anybody else be like, where's the crop tool? And it'd be like, it's on the left side of the screen in three the menu down. bar. Yeah. You know, three down. It looks like a little square with an X through it you yeah. know, or whatever. And it's like that, you know, just basically one one piece of marriage advice that this is not this is passing this down from mm -hmm. people that have taught this you know to me but we need to approach our spouse as the, i mean think about it your spouse is the person that you have chosen to spend your entire life with right they are your best friend mm -hmm. they are your soulmate you know whatever right it's like they are this person in your life that is your number one right and we don't treat them like we we don't treat them as well as we would if we were in business as our number one customer right. we would wine and dine and do everything for our number one customer and treat them and pamper them mm -hmm. and do everything for them. But then we would go home from that experience and treat our spouse, you know, like dogs, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. or you know, however you want to say that. Like that is so counter to how we should actually right. you know, be treating our spouse. Yeah. And it is so difficult to do that mm -hmm. because whenever you go home, you want to essentially release mm -hmm. and like well, and let really go of everything and because your walls are coming right. down there's no sensors there, there's mm -hmm. no um yeah, yeah. And, and filters there, and there is beauty to that like you don't right. want to constantly be in this state of like pretending well, yeah like, or like you're kind of like tipping or tiptoeing around and like yeah there's something what i've always said or what i've come to appreciate i guess about marriage is that um it's n for me at least personally it is not about having a romantic partner in the slightest like obviously i you know there are aspects to everything but like what i love the most about being married is having a partner is like having a person who i can actually like who i literally can count on at all times for all things. Like there's no like, oh, I don't wanna bother my friend. Like if I'm having a bad day or something, and like I I never wanna bother people. That's like a thing for mm -hmm. me. And so like I hardly ever like text friends and like tell them how I'm having a bad day or something. But like I know I can do that to you because you signed up for it, mm -hmm. you know? So like there's no like questions there. And like even on a small scale, I very much love that I never have to go to a party by myself. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I am terrified of like networking parties or even just regular parties and like all that stuff. But I know I have a person who has to talk to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's like stuff like that that I think is the most important. Again, with like coming home and like letting down walls, there's something really nice and beautiful about that but that that there's a person who's like yeah cool show me all your crap and i'll stick around mm -hmm. you know <laughs> that's great but 
there also there is that side of it that if you're not paying attention it can be unhealthy or like not a good thing in that i would say there's two two sides Mm -hmm. i think ultimately that is like the beauty of a covenant Uh a committed truly a like coming together as one marriage Mm -hmm. in the in that you can truly let everything all walls all everything down and you know that that person is going to be there for you and you know that they're not going to leave you because you've made that commitment to each other right versus cohabitation or you know you know dating for a long time and living together that type of thing that still comes with the fact that that person could walk out at any moment right and because they're there's commitment there i'm not saying there's not commitment but there is a a deeper level whenever it comes to a a covenant committed marriage yeah um and and it's more more, way more than a piece of paper like the piece of paper type marriage i mean that that is that's the reason that 50 percent of marriages end a divorce because Mm -hmm. it's it's not truly a a covenant commitment mm-hmm. it, it is just literally like a legal thing like we're just getting married like it there's a huge difference between being legally married and truly committing mm-hmm. and enter, in, in, entering into a covenant with one another mm-hmm. but i feel like in a lot of relationships you know it's like you you live together and you feel like you're married because i mean what else is there like you're together and now you live together and you do everything like a married couple would do what's the difference and what i'm getting at is that that is the difference the difference is that there is still something mm-hmm. whether you you actively think about it or not there's still something deep down that is like this person could literally change their mind tomorrow and leave with no repercussions mm-hmm. the reason i was saying that there's two signs to that because part of it is there's a little bit of beauty to that mm-hmm. because you tend to treat that person mm-hmm. you know not better but kind of like you're still dating right you're still you're still still like impressing them even even if they are your fiance or your boyfriend your girlfriend or whatever it's like you're still haven't entered in that covenant so you you treat them more so like your best customer Mm -hmm. you know because you're trying to keep them around um and i'm not not in a bad way right but but also I'm also that that is a very broad statement and that's not like every single relationship ever but right. this is a general more of a generalization and I think there is some of that that I think we need to bring into marriage mm-hmm. of like protecting each other right um but then also knowing that if we do need those days where you know we we let all let it all out mm-hmm that that person isn't going to be scared away. Like right. they signed up for this and they are they have committed to me fully right. that no matter what, I'm here for you. And I so saying that there is beauty in in, in marriage. Yeah. And there is something in the pre-marriage relationship that I think that we forget about mm-hmm. that we need to bring into marriage and I mean I'm definitely 100% speaking to myself. Like, I. No, I mean, I think every person, because marriage is ultimately a piece of marriage. I I don't know. Anyway, is, you know, laying down yourself for another person. It's Mm -hmm. giving up your selfishness to be selfless toward another human being. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is freaking hard to do. And it's hard to do on a daily basis. Like, 
marriage is not, <laughs> this is a general statement, but marriage is not about like romantic love. It's right. not about like, oh my gosh, I love you. You're so cute, Blah, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It is about like the sacrificial, I'm going to put you above me happily. Right. It is about- um, Romance like, can be achieved without that. Yeah, and like I think on, <laughs> this is a weird quote, but John Mayer's live album from Where the Light Is, um, he says- Your body is a wonderland. <laughs> right. No, he says like in one of the songs, I can't remember, he's, ta he's talking about love and he says, I don't want the Hollywood hot pink love. I want, I got your back love. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's it. It's the- it's the knowing that like no matter what i can count on this person and like that's what marriage is and it's freaking hard and like instagram doesn't talk about that mm -hmm. you know so yeah i mean yeah it's like romance is a part of a relationship and a right. part of marriage like and you it have is, to woo people whatever it, and it is fun mm -hmm. and it is needed like it's a pillar of yes. relationship like it's hard to maintain a long lasting loving you know, loving relationship without having that romantic like part of it right it's obviously important but it is not even close to like being what marriage is really about right like having a built-in sex partner is not marriage um right. and even having a built-in like romantic like you know lovey cuddly you PDA, know PDA dates yeah, movies that, that kind of thing type of thing obviously all of that very fun yeah wouldn't want to do without it um <laughs> but at the end of the day it's really about serving the other person mm -hmm. and that is something that I daily fail at mm -hmm. and daily want to be better at like see that, I think though that you are better at that than I am I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't feel like that's true. I don't feel like I, like. I think it might be true. I'm not very good at being selfless. To I mean, you. Yeah. To you. But again, like this goes back to your marriage partner gets the worst and the best of you. Yeah. And like, I don't feel like I'm that nice sometimes. <laughs> you don't yeah. disagree. You can no. say it. <laughs> I don't care yeah i mean you i mean i yeah. just think about like literally and it's the small things really it's not like anything major but it's like i refuse to change out of my like when i get home for the day i put on my loungewear my pjs and like i'm not leaving the house again i would forego dinner like if you if you're not gonna go get us dinner i won't eat like i'm not gonna change and go get dinner for us you know what i mean that's like a thing that mm -hmm. <laughs> like once i'm at the house i'm not leaving and like it's not like you want to go get dinner for us every single night or anything but you do it <laughs> well because if i didn't i'd go hungry i know but i'm not being very selfless in that like i'm being pretty selfish in every single evening at 6 30 or 7 being like hey what do you want to go get us for dinner <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like that's a thing that happens like i feel like on stuff like that i'm not very but again that goes back to me saying like i'm not very good at keeping up like a marriage let alone myself mm -hmm. so like you know i feel like you're better at that than i am well though i will in my defense it's not like you do it happily 
You know, what go I mean? get us dinner. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you I definitely mean, complain, because, right? Because yeah. I don't want to do it every single day. Right. Because <laughs> you'll even text me on your way home from work oh, yeah. and say, "Hey, will you go get us dinner?" And yeah. I'm like, "You're literally on your way. I'm at the house." You're gonna be walking by place, like you're gonna walk by Chipotle yeah. on your way home. Mm-hmm. And yet I have to leave to go to Chipotle. Yeah. Like, cause I was out all day doing things and like, I don't want to do another thing. I wanna go home and put my PJs on. <laughs> yeah. But, but the, it's what, like stuff what I'm like saying that. though is like that being truly like, if you want a great marriage, which I do it is laying your life down for the other person and is truly putting the other person above yourself and serving right. their needs before your own mm-hmm. it is ignoring the uh the flight attendant saying to put on your own mask before you serve others type yeah. in, and you know helping them before you help yourself right and um that is something that i i have to like i said i daily fail at and I daily have to remind myself. Mm-hmm. And, but whenever I truly do that is whenever we are at our best. Right. Whenever I am truly serving you mm-hmm. more than I'm thinking about myself is whenever we have the strongest marriage. Mm-hmm. But because of human nature, it is so stinking hard. It's very counterintuitive. To keep up. Yeah. Um, but that everything that has to do with being a follower of Christ is is counterintuitive to the way the world lives. Right. Because, you know, God calls us to serve one another and to, in, in specifically, in general, like mm-hmm. that's what we're called to do. But then in, in, in marriage, like we are to serve one another. Mm-hmm. And it is so much easier to be selfish. So much easier. But if there if there would be one thing that I want to grow in, mm-hmm. like it is to it is to be to serve you better. Yeah. Um, if you had like one piece of advice for marriage, what would it be? Because I was thinking about this, like, oh, we should you know leave yeah. the podcast with one piece of advice each. But I don't, I don't know that I like. I'm sure I've learned some lessons over the years, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been married for 10 years. Surely there's something in there, some nugget of wisdom, right? But like I was thinking about it, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I've learned. <laughs> like it I, it just feels You've like- You've learned way more than what you think you have. Well, I know, but what I'm saying, like I'm saying- It's the curse of knowledge. Maybe. You're way too close to it. I feel like I'm not very good at it. So I feel like you don't want to learn from me, you know? But you've also been married for- <laughs> 10 years yeah. without getting divorced. I know, it's a feat. So pretty proud of myself. <laughs> I mean, I guess probably communication. Yeah. Oh, you know what though? It would be expectations. That's yeah. what I would want to like like just whatever expectations you have, get rid of them. You know? Yeah. Like they expectations well, or communicate about them. Or communicate about them, right? Yeah. But but just generally speaking like if you're going into a relationship of any kind with expectations, I just don't think expectations really bode well for the relationship. Like, um, like I, you should set expectations together is what yes. I'm saying. Like, I don't think, like you came in 
with your own expectations. And I came in with my own expectations and they obviously did not, they weren't compatible expectations. <laughs> and so there was like a lot of fighting also compounded with the fact that we couldn't communicate. Um, obviously those those two yeah. things, like I feel like were the major yeah. things for us. And like, so just like whatever your expectations are, just, you know, get rid of them and set expectations with the other person. Like be intentional about you know, what you want from a relationship or what you hope to give to a relationship, um, you know, things like that. Like, I it sounds crazy, but like talking about kids is important. Talking about where you want to live is important. What kind of job you want to have is important because that affects the other person. Mm -hmm. And like, and then on a more personal level, like how do you give and receive love, which we've talked about before, the five love languages. And like, I also think personality tests are really important in marriage. Like I, you can say whatever you want about personality tests, but I do think there's something really important about learning how the other person operates and like adjusting your expectations to that. Because I mean, that's helped me even in just the last couple of years, like learning the Enneagram and like learning why you respond the way you respond has really kind of taken the bite out of it for me. Like, I don't get so offended by things you say, you know, because mm -hmm. I understand like, like in my head, I can be like, oh, okay, he's responding this way because of this, but he doesn't actually mean it. Let me just respond with a casual statement of like, can you please rethink that? You know, like that's huge. Yeah. And with expectations, if you go into something with expectations and the other person does not meet those expectations, that is on you, right. not on them, yeah. because you did not voice those expectations and, and both parties did not agree on those expectations. Right. Versus if you have expectations, it, well, let's just say if I have expectations mm -hmm. and I communicate them to Sarah mm -hmm. and Sarah says, oh yeah, that sounds like that, mm -hmm. that, that is something that I am willing to meet. I'm willing mm -hmm. to agree to those expectations. Then if Sarah was to not meet those expectations, then it is on her mm -hmm. um, to a degree. That, then it's open to the conversation. You can say, hey, you know, we talked about, you know, th this expectation and um, you haven't met that, you know, is this something that you want right. to revisit, you know, whatever, like communicate about it essentially. Mm -hmm. It's just communicate about the expectations, see if the other person even agrees that that is even close to what they expect. And then if you do agree on it, then it becomes something that you could actually be upset about, right. um, you know, but if you're getting upset about expectations that were never communicated, then That's on you. it's all on you. Yeah, totally. Um, I, well, our example of that would be like the the wife duties, yeah. you know? And specifically would be sexual expectations in the beginning Yeah, is that I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I was going into marriage thinking, you know, and we were also going into marriage as virgins. And so right. it's like we were, I was expecting when we get married, we're gonna have sex probably like five times a week, you know? And yeah. that expectation was you know, crushed immediately, but I never communicated that expectation. And right. so I was putting all of the pressure on Sarah to meet my expectation that she never agreed with. Right. And so it, it caused a lot of tension in our marriage because I was expecting her to fulfill this need that she didn't agree upon. Or like, even know. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even realize that because, and the reason I had that expectation is because my perception of what a healthy marriage was, was, you know, whenever I would read marriage books or whatever it was, it was like in a, a healthy marriage relationship, you know, you have sex like three to five times a week or whatever it would say, mm-hmm. or like the average is three times a week. And it's like, well, we're going to be better than average. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, but we never even communicated about what was expected right. in that relationship. And so whenever I was upset or angry that we only had sex twice that week, it's uh-huh. like, that is on me because I didn't communicate and Sarah never agreed to right. like, oh yeah, I'm totally cool with that, you know? Yeah. And so that in turn created tension uh-huh. that was not communicated about or, or necessary. resolved, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, you know, that th- those two things would be realistic expectations and mm-hmm. communicating expectations, which go into communication in general, mm-hmm. that lack of communication leads to fabrication, mm-hmm. meaning that if you don't communicate about something, then you or the other party are fabricating, making up what right, the you're other person- Right, filling in the holes. Right, you, yeah. you are filling in the gaps of, yeah. of what that other person is, is thinking. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't communicate about it, you're actually creating, you're fabricating fake news. You know, yeah. it's like- You're creating a whole scenario that may not actually be there. Right, and, yeah. and so, you know, let's take the sexual expectations, you know, example and say, because I never communicated nor, because my expectations were not being met mm-hmm. and because I never communicated that, then what I am fabricating is she doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. Sarah doesn't love me as much as I love her or, you know, whatever it is, because we only had sex twice this week and I expected to have three times. Mm-hmm. And it's, and so to me, it's like you are you are hurting me, mm-hmm. but in really I'm hurting myself because right. I didn't set the expectations up front. Right, we didn't agree on the expectations, and I didn't communicate about the fact. Well, I didn't communicate in a open and healthy way. Right, I made you know I may have communicated in snide remarks, mm-hmm. you know, or things that. like that. Yeah, that in turn just hurt me further in my expectations. Uh, right. Um. And so ultimately my marital advice would be those three things. Mm -hmm. Set realistic expectations Mm -hmm. and communicate about them. Communication Mm -hmm. is the hardest thing you're gonna have to do, Mm -hmm. but the most important. For sure. Or I should say hardest, one of the hardest things you're gonna have to do, but the most important. Because I think that three, the absolute most important is to put the other person before yourself right that whenever you enter into a relationship i would say in general but especially whenever you enter into a covenant marital relationship Mm -hmm. that you should enter then that relationship agreeing to put the other person before yourself and meet their needs right now this again comes back to communication because you need to communicate that with each other, that that is the expectation that you are both going to put each other before yourself. Because if you do put your put your spouse before yourself mm-hmm. and that person takes it all, mm-hmm. then you're nothing. You, you, yeah. you have, you're giving all of yourself to them and they're giving none of themselves to you. And so you are left as an empty vessel versus 
if you are both giving yourselves to each other, Correct. then you're both whole. Right. But if one person is, you know, being selfish essentially and taking and taking and taking, but um, never actually giving, mm -hmm. then it's going to fall apart. Right. A little side caveat to that is try it. Mm -hmm. Even if the other person isn't agreeing to it, mm -hmm. I, I would say try it and truly decide like it doesn't matter that he or she is you know i feel that they're not giving me anything i'm for the next 30 days mm -hmm. i'm going to try my absolute best to give all of me to them and serve them and be the person who i would want to be married to mm -hmm. and see how that changes things um because i guarantee i almost guarantee you that they will notice and they won't change immediately no but i guarantee you if you keep going and if you did did that for 30 days um i guarantee you things would would change and you would start yeah. and if you'd start to have those conversations because you know it's maybe a subconscious thing but love reciprocates love mm -hmm. and hate reciprocates hate so like if you're hateful toward another person their immediate reaction is to spout something back right, right? But like, if you love somebody, it takes a little more time. Um, but their heart—it's—it's it's a subconscious thing that they can't help but soften. You know, yeah. it's true. Yeah. Anyways, marriage—you know. Um, we, <laughs> if you guys enjoyed us talking about marriage, this is something that we could. I mean, we have uh, many years of experience, and um, <laughs> we could talk about it more. So let us know if you want us to continue this conversation about marriage because that we have uh, been talking about it for a while. This is a really long podcast. Yes, sorry. Um, so if you've made it this far, that means that you probably enjoy it. So let us know. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, 10 years. 10 years. We're doing it. I actually do feel accomplished. Yeah, I do Like too. every anniversary, they're like, oh my gosh, you've been married five years, whatever. But like 10 years feels like I can, that's like a, I deserve a sticker for that, you know? Like, I feel like that is like, you know, I feel proud of myself for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Moment Lenses. You can check those out by going to moment.deeplycurious.fm. The link is in the show notes. Or again, you can go to moment.deeplycurious.fm. Um, get out there, be selfless. Set expectations, communicate about them, and, you know, just love. <laughs> live, love, laugh, you know, as Hobby Lobby would say. As Hobby Lobby would say. Not sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.